What's up, listeners? It's Andrea. Today, we discover that Wesley isn't perfect. We fangirl over Boothby, and we ask the question, why do cadets get pockets and officers don't? Come nerd out with us. Welcome to the TNG Podcast, the number one place in the Alpha Quadrant to geek out about all things Star Trek The Next Generation. I'm your co-host, Sharice. Hey, I'm your co-host, Andrea. Sharice, today we're talking Season 5, Episode 19, entitled The First Duty. This episode was written by Ronald D. Moore and Naren Shankar, and it was directed by Paul Lynch. Following an accident during an academy training exercise that leads to the death of one of his friends, Wesley Crusher must decide whether loyalty or truth is the first duty. Bum, bum, bum. Yes, bum, 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 indeed. What are your initial thoughts on this episode? You know, I didn't really remember what all happened in this episode, but I just remembered this one being really good, really Mm -hmm. intense, and really sad. But I didn't remember any of the nuances. Like, I didn't yeah. really remember the, the character, what they, I didn't re- really remember the context. Um, I remember that there was an accident. I remember that Wesley had to stand up for the right thing. And what I re- remember the most about this episode when I watched it as a kid was being so excited to see Wesley Crusher again. Like, I remember being like, oh, oh my, my gosh, God. he's coming back. Oh my gosh, we're going to Starfleet Academy. Oh my gosh, we're going to see his beautiful face. Like, that's what I mostly remember. And looking back on this episode, I know this is the episode where, Robert Duncan McNeil, who goes on to play Tom Paris in Voyager, first comes onto the show. And every time I think of this episode, I think, oh, it's Tom Paris, even Mm -hmm. though this is like long before there was such a thing as Tom Paris. What about you? What were your initial thoughts? I mean, my initial thoughts were really similar to yours. Like, this was kind of a fun, like, one-off episode. Like, we're not in space. We're not tackling, Mm -hmm. you know, um, cosmic strings. There's no No aliens. There's no diplomatic mission. There's no, it's very, very different kind of show. And Ronald D. Moore actually had um, a really hard time pitching this to the showrunner who was like, this is a science fiction show. We're in space. And I think that this episode really beautifully illustrates that you can have a science fiction show and never leave the planet. Mm-hmm. Like it can still be science fiction. It doesn't, what makes it science fiction is not aliens. It's that it's like future technology and it's just part of a regular kind of life and all this stuff. I remember this episode being memorable to me because the Colvert Starburst cover up mm-hmm. and Wesley, and we get to see Starfleet Academy for the first time, really. Mm-hmm. But like, it's it wasn't one of my absolute favorite episodes, especially coming off of like cause and effect last week. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I was like, dear God, like it really doesn't get any better than this. But it is still a really fun watch. I don't dislike this episode at all. I don't love it as much as cause and effect, but I mean it it was cause and effect. Come on. It was like the, the best episode of ever. But like still such a fun, such a good watch and such a great episode. And and like we get to finally meet Boothby after hearing about mm-hmm. him like several times. I'm like, we're meeting the man. We get to see Tom Paris, Lightly Hayes, you know, Wesley Crusher. Like life is good. It's a great episode. <laughs> I don't know if I would refer to this episode as fun. It's it's like extremely heart-wrenching for me to watch. I'm just like, oh, like I just feel peer pressure. I just feel like I'm so glad I'm not a preteen anymore. I mean, granted, these people are supposed to be like college age. Um, I I don't remember experiencing peer pressure at this level when I was in college because I was already an adult. And I was like, please, like, you're, it, no, we're, we're done. We're completely done with that whole phase of life. But I do remember being peer pressured in like middle school and in high school. And that feeling is so icky when the whole group is doing one thing and you don't mm-hmm. agree and you feel like you have to go along or mm-hmm. something terrible is going to happen. So I kind of have this, this kind of almost like an angst, like a, or like, I'll say a memory of angst <laughs> as I was watching <laughs> this episode. So I don't know if I would call it fun, but I would say, yes, yeah, it, it was a really well done episode. And I completely agree with you. We didn't have space battles and all this crazy stuff, but it was, a, it was a beautifully written and a beautifully told story. I think it, it really, really was. And I think you're right. Like, there's a lot of peer pressure in this, but also there's a lot of gaslighting and manipulating. Yep. Oh, and yeah. I feel that, you know, what you just said, like, we think in the terms of peer pressure as like something you experience in school, but I still get peer pressure as an adult. I get peer pressure at my job. I get, you know, gaslit and manipulated. And I'm like, wait a minute. Right. And I think a lot of times I'm like, I should be too old for this. I should be Mm. like, just say no. Right. But it's like, that's the thing about gaslight and manipulation. It's that it's subtle and it really like preys on your soft targets. Right. Mm -hmm. And gets you to agree to do things that later on you're like, why the 
F did I agree to this? This is so stupid. Like, this is totally wrong, right? And I and I love that it was really done in such a cool way in this episode. Um, and I can't wait to get into it because I really want to like jump onto the the like the meat of this. Um, the Enterprise is on its way to Earth for Picard to give the commencement speech at Starfleet Academy, and it's gonna be super nice to see Wesley Crusher again. And like, I don't know about you, but I'm I love seeing that kind of opening shot on the bridge. Some super friendly, like nostalgic chit chat between like Riker and Picard and like, you know, Troy, I think possibly if she's even mm-hmm. in this episode. Yeah, she's you know, about there. about like, you know, what it was like to get called to the principal's office. You know, Riker's like you in trouble. He's like, oh, you know, there was a time I was a rogue. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that that's like very sweet. It's this is what. I feel like this is what the missions are like between like the intense parts. Like we'll be at such and such planet in 14 hours. So we're just on standby until then. So people are just doing their duty. And also like you're sitting on the bridge without battles or major decisions to be made. Like, what do you do? You just sit around and you have that kind of chat. Like you build bonds. I love that. Yeah, it is very, it's like a very sweet slice of life moment with them. And then we get this call from Admiral Brand and Picard's like, great. To, like put on the view screen let's see what's going on with the old admiral yeah. and Worf's like uh she wants it to be a secret meeting and picard's like mm, okay so he goes into the ready room and then he's like hey admiral what's going on you know it's still kind of kind of cheery yeah and then admiral bran she looks extremely serious and she says i want to reach out to you because i know you're very close to the crusher family there's been a serious accident and you're like what Yep. And then it cuts commercial yep. break. Yes. Again. Again. That was a, that like, was a it's, good one. That was a good spot to cut. Last week's was by far more intense, but this one was oh, a good sure. one because, because Admiral Brand says, I wanted to speak with you in private because I know you're close personal friends with the Crusher family. And if you didn't notice it and listeners, if you didn't happen to catch this, go back and watch this moment. Picard's face sort of falls and tenses in such rapid succession i was like oh my god patrick stewart can you be any more masterful in your craft i mean it was just like the most perfect and realistic like wait what you know kind of look on his face and she goes there's been a serious accident and then it's commercial and i was like oh fuck you know because i'm like Mm -hmm. wesley's been killed or or like horribly made i mean what else could it be besides wesley was killed like yeah. that's all it could be. And then when it's like, when we find out a few minutes later, Picard goes to tell Beverly what the Admiral just told him. So he's the one delivering the news. Um, and basically he tells her that there were five ships. They all collided. They were all destroyed. But mm-hmm. four out of the five of the students were able to beam out safely, including Wesley. One tragically died, but Wesley has a lot of burns and has yeah. some like kind of physical therapy stuff he has to do, but he's fine. Nothing broken, nothing missing. He's totally fine. So I kind of wanted the Admiral to start with that (laughs) because, you know, to be like, there's been a terrible accident. And yet I feel like that level of news was for the parent of the child who died. Like that level of like, you need to know this is like, oh my gosh, my whole world's going to change. But to tell me my kid was in a terrible accident and they're totally fine. They've got some burns, but we can just like scan that and, you know, fix that up in sick bay in like three hours. I mean, they could do heart surgery in three hours. I'm sure they could do fix up some burnt skin, you know, like I would not want it delivered that way. That felt way too big, way too scary. Um, Thankfully though, we find out that Wesley is just fine, but now they're, it's totally changes their tone of celebratory getting together and commencement and all of that. Cause now it's like in, in light of this huge tragedy and you just see Beverly, yeah. the way she takes the news is she's just so numb. She goes right into professional mode yeah, he's allergic to this or that. I'd better I'd better send down his medical records. I'm sure they already have them, but you can't be too careful. She's just totally numb, turns off all her feelings, and she goes into professional mode, something she can control. You know, you and I, Andrea, were just talking about this before we hit record, that sometimes when we feel out of control in really scary situations, mm-hmm. we focus on the things we can control. Yes. And so she's like, I can't even deal with the thought mm-hmm. that I almost lost my son. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to focus on my medical practice, which is yeah. a thing I know very well. Exactly. I wrote this. It's her security blanket. You know, she's she is absolutely goes and she's absolutely in doctor mode. And I love that, you know, Picard knows her so well. He's like, Beverly, 
he's fine. She goes, I know he's fine. I was like, Ooh, okay. Yeah, she does it in the most like, I don't know way, right? She's yes. like, I know, I know, it's fine. Everything's fine. It's, yes. Whenever somebody who is clearly not okay goes, I'm fine. I'm like, oof, that for me is an immediate cringe. Cause I'm like, I don't think you're fooling. You're definitely not fooling me. Do you, are you trying to fool yourself? Is that, and that's what I think Beverly's trying to do where she's like, I'm fine. I'm fine. Dr. Mode, I'm going to send the complete list of his medications to Starfleet Academy. And we're just going to, you know, doctor this away. Um, And it's, I like that Picard is able to kind of cut through that to be like Beverly. He's fine. And he's going to be fine. But it was really scary because you came so close to losing him and you didn't even know, like, which is really terrifying. Um, And at the Academy of all places. Not yes. when he's been shipped off into deep space on some enterprise-like ship that's encountering the Borg every other day. This is at the Academy. This is like, he's, he's supposed, supposed to be, be safe, safe there. there. Yeah. It reminded me, actually, of um, something that happened to uh, my my younger brother. Um, he was in a really, really horrible car accident. and I And he ended up getting out of the car completely, like, not even a scratch on him. And the car was completely totaled. Like, the axle was ripped off and was, like, found on the other side of the road, like, over a barrier. Like, it was it was just a simple accident, but, like, he was going really fast, and so he, like, spun out and hit a wall, like, eight times, like, in this little compound. It was very terrifying, right? I actually was, like, away, and when I came home the next morning, I heard him talking to my older sister and he was using words like accident and car totaled. And I was kind of coming out of sleep and I'm like, what are they talking about? And I wake up and I was like, dude, what's going on? And he's like, I was in an accident. I totaled my car last night. And I was like, no, you didn't. And he's like, go look in the garage. And I went and the car was not in the garage. So I had to go with my mom to the, um, you know, where they like tow. Yeah old cars like mm-hmm. into the lot to take pictures for insurance and when i saw the car and like the driver's seat was like ripped sideways and Jeez. somehow he came out of it like un like not a scratch on him wow. that's when i broke down because it felt like this beverly thing where it's like my brother could have died yeah. and i didn't even know and even though i had seen him in the morning and i was like what what's mm-hmm. what are you guys talking it's about like scary. I, it's still scary because it was like my younger brother who i love very much and i'm extremely protective over was in this car and I didn't even know. Right. So it felt like I really felt for Beverly in that where it's like, you're like learning of the danger after the danger has passed and your loved one is fine, but it's still mm-hmm. so, it so hits you scary. just the same. Yeah, it really does. And I remember breaking down in, into like hysteria when I saw the car, even though like I knew my brother was at home and he was fine. And that's so, yeah, surprisingly was- something we don't see Beverly do, but mm-hmm. I'm going to take it on faith that she absolutely does. The second Picard walks out, of her quarters or sick bay or wherever they were talking yeah. at. Yeah. Because how could she not? Right. At some point yes. that doctor's mask is going to fall and she's just going to lose it. Which yeah. Is completely appropriate in the scenario. I would, hope that, I would hope that she would, you know, because it's a little, she can be a little too like professional, composed professional. Yes. Right. Where I'm like, you're still a mom and you're still a human and yeah. you're still a parent. Like that at some point, you know, Anyway, um, so it turns out that the flight squadron was practicing a formation um, when one of the ships collided and it caused like a domino effect and like they all exploded and four out of the five were able to use their emergency transport to get them out safely, but one was not able to get out in time and he died as a result. Um, And Admiral Brand is like, an investigation is going to start immediately to discover what happened, which is like, yep, that's exactly Mm -hmm. what's supposed to happen. Now, Picard and Beverly come to visit Wesley to speak to him. And the first thing we learn is that cadets have to open and close doors on their own. Did you notice that? They sure they, do. And did you also notice this cool, like, like uh, physical therapy thing on his arm? Yes. I was like, like that stretchy me. thing. Yeah, it was a very simple thing. But I just like that even in the future with future technology, some stuff you stop to manually like just strengthen. So mm-hmm. I was like, I like that. That's It feels a little realistic. But yeah, I also noticed that their doors had handles, like metal mm-hmm. handles you had to mm-hmm. turn. I also noticed their doors had no locks, similar to the Enterprise. So yeah. I was like, some things never change. <laughs> but I did see, I was like, that's so funny that you guys have like doors. Why wouldn't Starfleet Academy have like the regular Star Trek doors? I think doors? they but haven't I was... earned those doors. Oh, <laughs> you have to maybe. earn those Starship doors. I, you, got, you have to earn your Starship doors? <laughs> <laughs> yes, if you're at the academy, you get regular old door handles. Like regular everybody old civilian else. Yeah, <laughs> that's but what I so think. they they come to talk to him, and you know, of course, Beverly's like, "I'm gonna make you all okay." And, and Wesley's like, Ugh, "You know," and Picard does say, "Like, we're here to speak if you want." And and Wesley's really diplomatic. He's like, "I've 
this is the only thing I've talked about for the last like two and a half days. I just don't want to go into it anymore. And Picard is like the picture of composure. He's like, I'm sure that you feel that way. I'm simply saying that the offer is there should you want to speak. Like Picard is Picard, but mm-hmm. Wesley has earned a solid place in Picard's heart. And I love it. And I think he should have probably earned that solid place in Picard's heart because he saved the ship like 50,000 yes, times. But, yes. but you know, but we don't even talk about uh, that. Eventually. We don't talk yeah. about it like we don't talk about Bruno. We're going to pretend like we were all besties <laughs> from start to end to end. And since at this point. point station. Yeah. Since Farpoint. Exactly. Since he said, <laughs> why is there a child on my bridge? Yeah. Since yeah. that moment, we've been we've been best friends. Um, I do like how it's kind of like mom and dad coming to see how he's doing, right? And, Very. And we all know that Picard is a father figure to Wesley. And mm. I did really appreciate how he said that and how Wesley set that boundary as well as just saying, I just, I really don't want to talk about it. I just don't. I can't. I'm, I'm so yeah. drained. And you could just see it in him. All the bubbly, happy, you know, grinny face that we're used to seeing with Wesley Crusher is just gone. And about 10 seconds later, his squad leader um nicholas lacarno comes to the door and he immediately ushers both picard and beverly back out of the room yeah it's been like, all I'm so sorry i need to speak minutes privately yeah. i yeah. need to speak privately can you please excuse us and they're like uh, oh, okay you know and beverly's like i'll come back with soup you know whatever she's she kind of like gives them a little kiss <laughs> and a hypo head. spray exactly yeah. soup and a hypo spray and maybe a good book i love you son you know and picard's like wes later uh, yeah. you know <laughs> and i just thought like that's this is it's it it's such a this moment is a really like emotionally sets the tone very well for the rest of the episode where something's yes. off it just feels off it feels off and it feels wrong and yeah. something's off because he's only like he could have died and now he's seeing his mom again instead of being like mom oh my gosh ah, you know like how I would be if I almost died mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know he's just like oh I gotta talk to my squadron leader in private so you guys have to go so you're like hmm okay yeah I mean they're not thinking it's suspicious because why would they and plus. A like you know a near death experience you're going to be acting a little different yeah but, you're, you're in a weird headspace but it did yeah. seem like you know when he said like do you mind if i have a moment to speak with nicholas alone picard does the thing that a parent would do and like looks at beverly like this also seem weird to you it's it seems weird. yeah okay all right let's go so they leave and locarno cryptically says like everything will be as right all right as long as we stick together and there's this like suspenseful music and it's like, okay, so something is obviously wrong. Can't wait to see. Can't wait to see what this is. And then, Cherise, we finally get to meet famously cantankerous old groundskeeper of Starfleet Academy, Boothby. It's dun, Boothby. Dun, dun. It is like, <laughs> it's like the happiest. It's not a bum bum bum. It's a dun dun dun, apparently. It's different. It's the opposite. <laughs> This oh, okay. one's like this one's like a happy celebration, not like a shocking, you know. I mean, bad thing. if if there was ever an extremely minor character of a television show that's only seen once or twice and never seen again, that I'm gonna fangirl over, it's fucking Boothby. Okay, yeah. Boothby is it. I don't know why because Boothby you know knows why? everyone. Everyone who becomes famous or like does well in Starfleet, he was like their best friend when they were suckling back. Yeah, to the he was. He was. He was like they're they're like. Their mentor, mm. their North yes, Star, Yes, he was their, their mentor guide. before they were famous. But like a, in a crotchety way. He's yes. Like, he's, mm-hmm. he's 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 super grumpy. I love, I think the reason I love Boothby so much is because I love Picard so much. And Picard holds Boothby in such high esteem. So any friend of Picard is a friend of mine, in my opinion. <laughs> right? So Picard, That's why me and Guinan are besties. That's yes, why. Yes. <laughs> any friend of Picard is a friend of mine. <laughs> and you know what? Boothby actually, I agree. I think this is one of those... Kind of similar to like Mott or like Nurse Agawa. Mm-hmm. One of those characters that feels like they've been in the show since the beginning of the and show. that's what good writing is. Yeah. We've never seen this dude before. We've never but seen like, this. But when you see him, you're like, yep, that's Boothby. Like, I yeah, can, you say Boothby, sure I picture his is. face. And he's, mm-hmm. he was only in, I think, this episode, maybe another in TNG. Then they yes. bring him back in Voyager, actually. They have this yes, like simulation for a couple, of the academy. For like two episodes, yeah. Mm-hmm. And Boothby's there, and you're like, oh my gosh, it's the Boothby! Like because of course he was there when Janeway was at the academy, when Chakotay was at the academy, when of like course. of course he was there. Like what a cool character! So we finally get to see him, and he looks exactly how you think he would. Yeah, no, I mean it's it's so lovely to see him now. Boothby was played by an actor named Ray Walston, who was very famous at the time for being a lead on a show called My Favorite Martian. 
I was um, going to say, that guy kind of reminds me of that guy from that Martian show, but I never saw that show. I just remember talking about it in our well, sci-fi I'm club. Going to, I'm going to post a bonus picture this weekend of Ray Walston in My Favorite Martian because it's super cute. It's so early sci-fi. It's, it's just Ray Walston with like little silver antennas. That's very obviously just like a headband on his yeah. head. Um, And like he's dressed in like regular clothes and it's like, oh, look at you, Booth. I think so. I think that like I think that's the inspiration for that little green Martian in the Flintstones because he's like yes. this, right? It's it's like the same yes. character, but yes, like a little it totally tiny green is my Martian. favorite Martian. Yeah, interesting. <laughs> I thought I thought it was adorable, and actually, when he was filming TNG, when he was filming this episode, some of the cast and crew showed up with like little antennas and were like <laughs> giving him, you know, just like being like poking fun at him just yeah. a little bit, but like very much making him part of the crew, which I thought was like adorable. So we see Picard and Boothby chit chatting, and in this case, he's a groundskeeper, so no antenna. Mm-hmm. Um, and <laughs> we find out that Boothby saved Picard from some kind of scandal when he was a cadet. Yeah, and, and Picard credits Boothby for being the only reason he graduated. And Boothby says something. I didn't write down the quote. Maybe you did, Andrea. I did. Oh, you did. Yeah. So Boothby says, if it hadn't been for you, because first of all, Picard says, Boothby, I don't think I ever had the chance to thank you for, and Boothby's like, nah, and like gets up and crotchets away. And Picard <laughs> kind of walks with him, which isn't hard to do because the man's only walking like a foot a minute. And Picard says, if it hadn't been for you, I never would have graduated. And Boothby says, you knew what you had to do. I just make sure that I just made sure that you listen to yourself. And I was like, oh, wow. Okay. Which makes me ask you, the listener, what could Picard have done to get himself expelled, save for Boothby? I want to hear your theories. Info at the TNGpodcast.com because, like, I would love to know what you think Picard did. Like, I don't know. I wonder what if it's that crazy think? knife fight he got into. That was my thought. That was my thought as well. But I uh, I don't know. But I don't know why he would be expelled for that. I don't know. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? But yes, right, let us know what you think um, if you're listening to this episode because we we don't have a lot of good ideas. So if you have an idea for what you think Picard did that was so terrible that could potentially have gotten him expelled, please let us know. You can hit us up on Instagram at the TNG podcast. Send us an email to info at the TNG podcast.com. Or you can send us a voicemail to the tngpodcast.com slash speak. Oh my gosh. Awesome. I really, really hope we get some speak pipe, um, which by the way, is this like awesome messaging system where you guys can send us like 90 second messages and like we respond back to you. So I, I would love to know all the conspiracy theories. Cause like, come on, <laughs> come on. What's his dark side? Let me know. All right. So the inquiry begins and Locarno is like kind of steadies everyone's nerves. And for those who have watched maybe all the TNG episodes like we have, you might see another familiar face, that of Jax Aceto, who's played by Shannon Phil. We go on to see her again in Season 7, Episode 15, Lower Decks, where we see the Enterprise's like junior staff and kind of like their mm-hmm. sort of daily worries it's and whatnot. It's such a good episode. It's oh a great gosh. episode. Such a not good episode. The, I'm not talking about the animated series, which Lower is also Decks, amazing. Which is, which is hilarious. It's so freaking funny. And it's a love letter to TNG. And they took their show name from that episode name, Lower Decks. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, So I was like, hey, it's good to see you, Sito. And then we'll see you again, like in season seven. That's pretty cool. Um, There are a few things of note in the inquiry. The cadet uniforms are the same color as the officer uniforms, but the colors are switched. So instead of you know, the whole body being red and the shoulders being black, the whole body is black and just the shoulders are red. So the colors are inverted. Oh, I thought you would have noticed that right away. And they have nope, cargo pockets on the pants. And I was like, it's hey, about hey. time somebody freaking has some pockets in, in like their uniforms. So they also, haven't earned the cool doors, but they do for some reason have pockets where the yeah, officers do I, I not would have rather, pockets. I would rather have a pocket and just have to open a door. Like I do now. Like it's, it's not that big a deal. <laughs> but I do love the switch because like, you know, Picard is in yeah. the uniform. We know that's all red with a little and bit of black. And they don't have to create a whole new idea of a uniform. Exactly. They just invert the colors, which they end up going to use like in like DS9, I think, and stuff later with some tweaks. Um, The other thing that stands out to me in this inquiry, and it always has bothered me, is that Admiral Brand is referred to as sir, which drives me nuts because the U.S. military uses ma'am. So I was like, they but use sir But I think the military also uses sir for women. Like I Googled this because people in the military have told me that you can also call a woman in authority sir in the military. What the 
hell okay because it's because it's a two because it's a term of uh, it's like doctor it's like a term of position and respect more so than than masculinity it's just the fact that our entire language is a masculine bent language like we talked about this in our outcast Mm. episode about how we say hey guys instead of hey people you know we say like mankind instead of Mm -hmm. people you know or like human or what like everything's bent towards male saying saying male tinged words but i think in the military sir is not we think of sir as that because as as civilians sir is only for men yes but because it's not a title of like you know it's not a title of respect it's just kind of like we don't know you so it's a little bit honorific but it's not really special i think it is in the military well let me tell you i had an unfortunate run-in with somebody when i was in rotc in high school which is like the little like it was the Marine Corps ROTC, so it's like little Marines in training kind of thing. And then most mm-hmm. of them go off to like boot camp or whatever. I had just seen this episode and a female superior was asking me a question and I was a private and she said something and I said, no, sir. And she looked at me like she was going to rip my head off. And I was like, did Star Trek lie to me? Like, I was <laughs> so confused. And I was like, oh, fuck. Like, I was immediately like in trouble. And of course, I had to do like a bunch of push-ups or whatever. Yeah. But I was like. Damn it, Star Trek. But that Why was going to happen. That was like probably going to happen anyways, to be fair. <laughs> like they were going to find something to be mad at you about anyway. Of course they were. Because I was yeah. a private and they were like a whatever, right? Yeah. But I called this woman, sir. And, and she, she was like, sir. It. And she was very obviously, di- she didn't even like pass for a man. So it wasn't even like, I made an honest mistake. I was like, yeah. nope. Nope, TNG lied to me and I believed them. <laughs> and look at what you made me get into. Yeah, now oh, I have to man. do push-ups. Which that's whatever. interesting that yeah. So you've got a little bit of trauma around that word, which makes sense. Why, <laughs> as they're saying it, you're like, like stop calling Admiral Brand, sir. They're gonna it hurt to do it. Yeah. So so Nick tells the whole story of the maneuver that they did and how it didn't work and everything that we've we've said previously. Um, and we've got two people. We've got Admiral Brand and then a Vulcan whose name I don't recall. And the Vulcan just looks so unimpressed during this entire story. I just thought to myself, they're so lucky that he's not a Beta Zed because mm-hmm. he'd be like, although Vulcans can read minds, but whatever. We're just going to forget that for now. Um, <laughs> he's only Vulcan on his second grandparent's fourth time removed. Who knows? Like, it's just, or, you know. Or he's he's polite enough to, like, acquiesce to the not human culture it. of not reading people's minds. Although, um, let's be real. If you had a Betazoid Starfleet officer, this yes. would be another valuable place to use them. Because you yeah. could be like, we're doing this investigation. For every investigation, also, really. Also, yeah. Also, that poor officer would never get any sleep because they're like, oh, I'm being called to another investigation. <laughs> but but it's like, we're going to do this investigation and uh, answer truthfully because we'll know if you're lying. So yeah. just so you know. But um, uh, but th- the whole point of this episode is that we shouldn't need a human lie detector because if you are in training to be in Starfleet, we expect you, that you tell yeah. the truth. Yep. Like we shouldn't yep. even need any, we shouldn't need to read your mind. We shouldn't need to check the facts. Like we expect, yep. we fully expect you to all tell the truth at all times, which I really appreciate. I I am not a fan of handholding grown freaking people. Like nope. they should, I, I agree with this. I agree with this whole philosophy of you we shouldn't have to do all this stuff to mm-hmm. go behind you. But anyways, he tells a little story and um, Picard decides to do a secondary investigation. Now he had asked Admiral Brandt earlier, like if if you need any help from the enterprise, we're at your disposal. And she was like, I think we're good. We, we have this in hand, but at this point he steps in, not because they need help, but mm-hmm. because as he tells Jordy and data, Wesley's one of ours. You know, he just wants I to love that line do something so and just yeah. be a just be a part of this. And um what really breaks my heart through this episode is the way that Beverly and Wesley uh, Beverly and Picard and pretty much everyone believes absolutely what they said and they believe Wesley. You know, so yeah. when when the facts start to like not match, they're just like, well, something's wrong with the facts. You know, it's so Beverly, right? Something's wrong with the universe. Not me. You know, Wesley would never lie because we've never known him to be anything but truthful and honest and upright and all of this stuff. Yeah. Jordy and Data are on on the move. Yeah, you're right. And I feel like in this case, like this is where Starfleet is a little too trusting because <laughs> things are starting to look a little bit sketchy. And Beverly's like, the universe must be wrong. It can't be you that's lying and <laughs> acting really strangely. It's got to be the universe, right? The thing to me that just breaks my heart is poor Josh's dad watching this entire thing unfold like the day after his son's funeral. 
like this is just all like he he's sitting here watching his son like his deceased son's best friends concoct some kind of lie that we don't know what it is but we know something is wrong like covering up kind of what happened now locarno tells us that the ships went into like a delta um sorry up uh, uh like a diamond pattern and mm-hmm. then kind of banked upwards and kind Josh of diamond must, formation yeah a diamond slot formation which is a real aviation formation and they did a jaeger loop which i looked up is not a a real aviation formation that's a that's a total star trekism although named after chuck jaeger the man who broke the sound barrier in an x1 superjet which is ridiculously awesome um so Josh must have freaked out and bumped one ship and they all started this domino effect and they all died and Josh, or they all made it out and Josh died. Right. But at the end of it, Locarno kind of meets up with his whole team and he's like, everything is fine. You know, like if we just stick together, this whole thing will end up being okay. Right. And, and Wesley's like, you told us we wouldn't have to lie and is pressured by the team to like cover up whatever it is they're covering, they're covering up. Right. And Wesley is like, I don't know if I can do this, man, you know, and Locarno straight up turns the screws on him to guilt him into participating in this mysterious cover up. And I was like, damn, Tom Paris knows how to guilt trip a motherfucker because Wesley is like, I don't think I can do this. And he's like, you can and you will. And I was like, oh, my God, you can. You can't. You will if you love me. (laughs) He like pulled out every single. Yes. I thought his level of manipulation was quite impressive for a man of such tender years. Mm -hmm. I was like, how he's he's what is what is he supposed to be at this age? Like. 18 19 20 18 or 20 like when was he practicing this these skills of like master manipulation this feels like a 45 year old level of skill here Mm -hmm. i mean he was Mm -hmm. pulling out all the cards and i mean this is like gaslighting 101 because it was like as you said at the beginning of the episode it was subtle it was like hitting all the right notes i mean he didn't just come out he didn't come straight out and say do it or else he didn't try to strong arm him arm him he dropped all these little things of like wow, I can't believe you're that kind of person. Or just like, every, he pulled every yes. card in the book. Yeah. Where you're just like, how could Wesley make any other choice than he, to go along with the yeah. group? He really did. And like, you know, Wesley's got to get ready for his deposition the next day. And as he's prepping, Josh Albert's father comes in to speak with him and he brings Wesley a very lumpy green sweater that can only belong to Wesley. And he's like, oh yeah, I remember we went up to like Ontario and... He forgot his sweater, so, like, he borrowed mine. And Josh, like, really looked up to Wesley. And Mr. Albert, this was like, oh, Mr. Albert apologizes that Josh let him down. And I was like, oh, my God. You know, where, in reality, the team let Josh down, which we're soon to find out. Yeah, that whole scene, I was like, how is Wesley keeping a straight face? Because, because, uh, I think it's Commander, Commander Albert. Yes. kept going he wasn't just like oh man i miss him or i'm I'm sorry that this happened or something but he kept going with i know it was my son's fault yeah. i just want to apologize you could have been killed because of what my son did he just wasn't good i mean he just kept going and you're just like how is wesley not breaking immediately mm-hmm. immediately and being like look sir i'm so it's not josh's fault it's over. everything you're it's saying, over. like yeah. yeah like just call it right now i don't know how he managed to hold it together through that conversation hmm. Yeah. Oh, no, absolutely. Absolutely. He he. like, I think that's the good thing like that. You know, Wesley has been the sort of teeter tottering totem, right? Like Nick Locarno pulls the strings and he's like, OK, fine, I'll go along with this, even though I hate it. And then Josh Albert is like, my son looked up to you and you could have died because of him and we're not good enough. And so Wesley's about to like teeter in the other direction. Right. So it's this like push pull of like what he should do he knows what he wants to do but then he also knows what he might need to do in order to like not rat out like the other members of the team so you know wesley's deposition is con- is consistent with nick lacarno's they're going to do the the jaeger loop and this whole diamond slot formation um and ca- you know captain irrelevant captain you know at the admiral's like counterpart was like was nova squadron in a diamond slot formation the entire time before the collision and wesley says yes and Admiral is like, are you sure? And Wesley goes, yes. They asked and, him like four times. And I was mm-hmm. like, man, once they ask you a second time, actually that first the time when they said- The jig is up. The first time when they said something like, I want you to think very carefully, Mr. Crusher, about your answer before you answer this. 
is this true? Like when someone gives you that much preface, that means mm-hmm. they know you're about to lie. Yeah. <laughs> so don't lie. That's that, it. Don't lie. Don't lie. That's it. That's it. We had we had a student once many years ago on an outdoor ed trip caught smoking in the bus. And the student was like, they have no proof. Like basically a Nick Locarno. They have no proof. There's no way. Da, 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 da. And they're like, are you sure this is the story you want to tell us? They asked him like three times. And he was like, yeah. And I was like, buddy, if they're asking you multiple times, they've got something mm-hmm. on you. Turns out there's like cameras in the buses because they took like those fancy like stagecoach, like but like oh. tour buses. <laughs> and they're like, so do you want to explain this video footage of him like smoking in the bus? And they're like, and you're ex- expelled. <laughs> yeah. So much for playing. <laughs> yeah. When they ask you multiple times, that is an olive branch. That's them giving you a chance for you to come clean. So you could at least say, I admitted it because if you admit what you did was wrong, we as humans are way more lenient than if you yep. straight up lie to our face. Oh, then we're like, not more. only did you do something wrong, but you lied about doing something wrong. Yeah. It's like the lie the is worse. The lie is worse than the crime. So a navigational sensor image shows contrary to Wesley's story. And the ships, you know, the satellite happened to be passing and here's Nova Squadron practicing just barely like in frame of the satellite image. And they're like, um, what is your explanation for this, Mr. Crusher? Because they're in the Are shape you... of like a pentagram. They're not yes. in the shape of a diamond. Yes. They're anymore. not in a diamond slot formation. They're not in a Jaeger like formation. So what is your explanation for this, Mr. Crusher? And he says, I have none. And you're like, Dang, and that music is like, and you're like, oh fuck! Yeah, I you thought he was gonna come clean right then. Trouble. I thought he was gonna yeah. be like, shoot, you got me. But he just, he's just like, I plead the fifth, and I was like, ah, uh, that just means you're guilty, buddy. Like that's yeah. what that means. Yeah, no, you're in like major shit now, and like this is where Doctor Crusher comes in, and she's like. I know you would never lie to me, Wesley, because you're perfect and you've never made a mistake ever. And the data must be wrong. And the satellite might have been hacked. And, and, and like Saturn might have been gonna replaced. You're going to get Data and Jordy in on it to make sure that the satellites themselves have not been hacked. Wesley's by, like, like, dear God, don't get Data on this. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, and, exactly. yeah. And Wesley's just like, please don't. And she's like, and we're going to we're gonna get to the bottom of this because this is a sensory glitch. It's a malfunction. But certainly it cannot be the simplest as you said in our last episode, the parsimonious. Yeah. It can't be the simplest explanation that you're just lying. Mm-hmm. It's got to be something else. And then Wesley's just like, mom, don't try to prote- protect me. Yeah. And I just thought to myself, that's not going to work. Like, you can't just tell a mom don't protect their kid. Like, it doesn't matter if you're 55, 105. Like, if your parent's able and they have, and you guys have a good relationship, they're going to protect you. They're they're going to be like, she's yes. going to be like, I was the one flying if she could have, right? Yes. Oh, I was, I was in there flying. Wesley was actually at home. Like they're going to try to protect Doing you. Doing his homework. So, yeah. So Wesley, maybe just tell the truth instead of trying to like beg your mom to let you face dire consequences. And he, she also said like, I mean, you wouldn't ruin your career, would you? Of course not. You've been working at this since you were four, right? You've been working on the bridge forever. You've been like mm-hmm. wanting to join Starfleet. So certainly you wouldn't throw it all away. Yeah. It must be a sensor glitch. And yeah. I mean, this was just so hard. To, again, it was so hard to watch because you just see Wesley being pushed between a rock and a hard place. And at all of these points, I was like, oh, he's going to crack now. Oh, now he's going to break. Now it's now the moment. And no, he was still, he still wasn't. Yeah, really. And like Picard goes to his mentor, Boothby, to be like, tell me more about Nova Squadron because I am starting to suspect something is really off here. And Boothby is like, they're gods among men at Starfleet Academy. And Nick Locarno, especially, he's what makes them special. Like he's a natural leader. He's their mentor, their surrogate father, their brother, their best friend, you know, their homework planner and everything. Like he's everything (laughs) to this team, right? And so Picard's like, okay, so now we have this like extra motivation of like pleasing daddy on the team, right? And like not making him love you less and all of this other, the other emotional stuff that's wrapped up here. Meanwhile, Jordy and Data were like, okay, this is what we were able to figure out. We've run like 53 simulations and their version of the story just can't be true. It can't be. Something is wrong. So we know the collision happened four seconds after the Jaeger loop had been completed, but we don't have enough information to make a picture of those four seconds. What they did find was that Wesley opened his coolant interlock just before starting whatever that pentagram maneuver was. 
And they remarked that it's very dangerous to do so. It's the first step in purging the plasma exhaust, obviously. And so the heat of the, <laughs> the heat of the engine, it's so dangerous. It's only done when the ship ship is like in dry dock because the heat of the engine will probably ignite the plasma. And Picard is like, oh, ignite the plasma. Like he knows. And we're like, yes. Finally, somebody knows what happened yes. so they can explain it to us. Exactly. We and, don't know what happened. And this is one of those moments where it's like teenagers, you know, and preteens forget that their parents were kids once. Uh-huh. This is that uh-huh. moment where it's like, mm-hmm. no, I know exactly what you're doing because yep. I've done that a million times. I, I did that to make you, you know, like I've done yes. this. Everything yes. you can think of, like I've done it already. It That's what it felt like to me where he was like, I know exactly what this is because he was a cadet at the academy and whatever, for whatever reason, this this stirred his memory more so than anyone else who every single person on the ship has been in the Academy. Yeah. But Picard's the one who put the pieces together and his first action was not to like blow the whistle, but was to call Wesley in privately and try to get the truth out of him. Yeah. So he calls Wesley into the ready room and basically breaks everything down for him. He's like, so Wesley, what is this maneuver? Like, what is this? And Wesley's like, it's the culvert starburst maneuver. And Picard's like, like busted. Yeah. And Picard's like, so here's what I think happened. Well, actually, first he tells him that this, you know, this is a very dangerous maneuver. Um, and it hasn't been attempted at the academy for over a hundred years. Do you know why that is, Wesley? And he's like, because somebody died in a training accident. Yes, all five of the people in this maneuver died. All five of them. This is so dangerous that it has been banned in Starfleet. And I think. That you guys decided to do it and it was Nick's bright idea because this would be the most spectacular bit of flying that anyone has seen as 100 years and Nick wanted to go out with a bang for commencement. So he convinced you all to do it. You guys were not ready. And poor Josh Albert paid the price. Mm -hmm. And he's like, so what do you have to say to that, Wesley? And Wesley's like, I plead the fifth. Like, again, he says nothing. And you're just like, well, that worked for you in court. That is not going to work in this ready room. Picard Mm -mm. gets all up in his face. And it's just like, how dare you? I mean, he just goes off. And I was like, that is really appropriate. Okay, so many things are great about the scene. That the father figure is not letting him be a coward Mm-mm. at all. He's not letting him nope. get away with this I plead the fifth nonsense. He's like, you come clean right now. He's like, you choose not to answer? Yeah. What the F is That's that? That's not an option. No. no. It's not also, even remotely an option. I also love that he does this in private. He doesn't like, he doesn't ream him in front of anybody else. He doesn't blow the whistle. He doesn't even tell his mom. In private, he's he's treating him like a peer. He's giving him the chance to come clean. He even tells him everything that he did. This is so Sherlock Holmes. I'll tell you what happened. And you just give me a nod, you mm-hmm. know? And he's still refusing to come clean. He's still trying to protect his squadron and and really honor what his agreement with Nick of like not saying anything and sticking to the plan. Yep. yep. And then yep. Picard gives this really beautiful and passionate speech, which I'm sure you have these moments that we share with you guys straight from the show it's because we just can't do it justice because picard gives him the swift kick in the ass that he needs to finally do the right thing the first duty of every starfleet officer is to the truth whether it's scientific truth or historical truth or personal truth it is the guiding principle on which starfleet is based if you can't find it within yourself to stand up and tell the truth about what happened you don't deserve to wear that uniform i'm gonna make this simple for you mr crusher Either you come forward and tell Admiral Brand what really took place, or I will. Captain. Dismissed. Dang. I mean. (laughs) And the dismissed. That was just like the cherry on the top of the cake. Like, I am done. I'm so done with you. I'm so done with you. And. These are my expectations. Do it Mm -hmm. or not. We're not going to sit here and squabble. I don't want to hear your reasons. It doesn't matter to me. Don't need any excuses. Don't don't want to know why. Mm -mm. All that's irrelevant. Mm -mm. Goodbye. You're dismissed. It's just like Mm -hmm. your only choice is to tell the truth or be told on. And which one do you really want to happen? (laughs) Which Mm -hmm. is neither. (laughs) But which one would you prefer? Because these are your only two options. So poor Wesley. He is just... He is just going through it. So he calls Nick like an emergency 911. You got to get over here. And he's like, Picard knows everything. He knows everything we did. He told he told me everything himself. He figured it out. They're on to us. You know, and Nick is just like, well, does he have any proof? And he's like, no, I don't think so. No, nothing more than what we saw 
in court. And so Nick's like, everything's fine. Just stick to the story. It'll be fine. And Wesley is like, I am not going to call Picard a liar on the stand. Like, I'm not. He's like, just tell I can't Picard, do like, that. He's, making up. he's just like, I, I will not do that. And then Nick just just lays it on the thickest that he's done this entire episode. And oh, yeah, it's Gaslight 101. If you're looking to gaslight or manipulate someone like take notes. Yeah. Yeah. It's masterfully done. And you just wonder how Wesley's not in tears at the end of this conversation with Nick, because at the end of it, it seems like for him to not go with what Nick says, it makes him the slimiest, scummiest, worst person in the world, a complete coward, a traitor, um, not worthy, just like every bad thing you can think of if he doesn't continue with the lie. Yes. Yes. And did you notice that Wesley goes, wait a minute. And Nick goes, no, you wait a minute. (laughs) I was like, whoa, okay. No, you wait a minute. And even Wesley was like, whoa, it was right out of my life. Exactly. Because Wesley's like, we need to tell the truth. And that's, we can't, we cannot, we threw Josh under the bus and said that it was his fault. And now that's going to be on him and his dad thinking that he's guilty. That's not right. Mm-mm. And Nick is just like, wow, you are so selfish. You're putting yourself in front of this whole team. And Wesley's like, wait, you want us to do all of this just to save your neck. It's really mm-hmm. about you. And Nick's like, it's not about me. It's about the team. It's always been about the team. And you're just like, uh, has it though? I don't Yeah. Yeah. Because feels- Nick says. It feels a little yui. After- after he does the, no, you wait a minute, like, you know, CSI moment, Nick goes, if you can't keep quiet, just resign your appointment at the Academy and walk away. Don't make us pay for your guilty conscience. And I was like, make us pay? What? This is manipulation 101. You do something so incredibly fucked up and somebody goes, I have a real problem with what you're doing. And they go, well, don't make us pay because you're having second doubts like wait a second somebody died at least we know of one man who lost his child he could be married there could be a mother who lost her son like people are grieving the loss of somebody and you just want to save your neck and by your neck it could be the team's neck the team's reputation and all that like all of that is tied into nick lacarno and it's like you are such a slimy piece of trash (laughs) And that's when Wesley's, I feel like that's the moment where Wesley's shell starts to crack. That moment when he says, wait a minute, you would ask me to do that, to give up my career, something I've worked my whole life for, something you know, you know how yeah. important this is to me. Yeah. And you would just ask me to give it away like it's nothing, just to save you. And that's when Nick's like, it's not about me. It's about the team, the whole team, not just, you know. So he walks out and you're just like, wow, Wesley, what are you going to do? Because keeping quiet, if you keep quiet, Picard's, not only is Picard going to tell on you because we do need, the truth is going to come out worse. Picard's going to lose all respect for you. That's so much worse. And you can't get that back. And how long have you worked to earn that respect? It has been a long, you have had to save thousands of people's lives a thousand times. Okay. To barely get that respect. And even if let's say Nick Lacarno is right. And they're like, Picard, you don't have like any solid proof. So, uh, you know, there's already a shadow of doubt cast over all of their testimony. Yeah. Everybody's already feeling pretty sus about what they're saying. And Picard is like, I'll tell you what I think is going on. And Admiral Bates has been around the block. This ain't her first rodeo girl. She knows good and well what a culvert starburst is. Mm-hmm. She knows with yeah. that image. And the whole thing about, you know, the like, um, the coolant interlock, like she would piece those two things together too. It's not like Picard, yeah. he, Picard is not one of those he didn't people make it up. <laughs> putting a sign on the street corner saying the world is ending. It's like, he's not just some random, like crazy person. Like he has a reputation and he has no reason to throw Wesley under the bus if Wesley's and- about to get off school. Scott free. Yeah. Like Nick Lacarno needs to think this shit through. And Wesley doesn't know that Picard has the data about the interlux, whatever thing being open. Ooh. He doesn't know that he has that. He doesn't know that he does have proof. The coolant and interlock. Yep. He doesn't even know that. So of course Picard can show his proof. And Admiral Brand Damn. knows knows about that maneuver just as much as Picard does. And so does the, the Captain Irrelevant Vulcan knows all about it because they've been they work at Starfleet. They know the history of the institution, especially mm-hmm. things like that, something that's been banned because it's so dangerous. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it it would have come it would have come out, they would have believed Picard for sure. They did have more than enough evidence, they all would have been expelled, 
But worse, Picard them. would never want to see Wesley again. Like, never. Like, would never be able to look him in the eye, you know? Yeah. Just, and, ugh, like, the the loss of that is, but he didn't want to lose that same feeling with Nick and the rest of his team. Yeah, yeah. Right? So he's just really between a rock and a hard place. I've experienced a good amount of gaslighting in my life because I am a people pleaser, and I t- it doesn't sound like it on the podcast. I sound like an asshole, but I'm really not, like, I'm not really... <laughs> This is just a way for me to be sarcastic and snippy and stuff, but I am actually a very sweet person. But when you're in that moment, you think that that's all that matters. And it's hard for you to see outside the situation where you're like, okay, I'm not going to like rat out my team, but you're not thinking bigger than that. He's not thinking in the future how like, I'll never be able to even so much as visit the enterprise again, because everyone will know what I've done. That's been my only home for years. Mm. Like I will lose my father figure in Picard for a person who would rather I destroy my career than the truth come out. Like, and I, I mean, I'm a person who's not going to be there three years from now. Yeah. Like Nick LaCroix yes, is not exactly. going to be in your life next year. He's about exactly. to graduate. He's not going to be in your life. And, and then you will have lost Picard in exchange for Nick and you won't have Nick. Yes. And it's, I mean, I've been in that position where like I had a super toxic boss like 20 years ago that I was so afraid to quit that job because they kind of were like so domineering and so toxic and they were in everybody's business all the time. So when it came time for me to like write my letter of resignation, because I had gotten a different job, I was like genuinely kind of afraid to give it to this woman because I was like, she's so nasty. She's going to make life a living hell for me for the next two weeks and da, 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 da. And like, it really wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. But I remember just like dreading giving that letter of resignation because I was like, she's going to make my life a living hell for the next two weeks. And that's going to be so awful to have to deal with. It's been however many decades. I never saw that woman again. And when I look back, I'm like, why was I afraid of this tiny little person who has no impact on my life on the great Mm. picture of things, you know, Mm -hmm. like on the greater scheme. But like, so I really understand like Wesley is just like, you've been like, kind of my like everything friend and mentor and like all of this stuff for the last couple of years that I've been here. Like, I don't want to lose that. And it sure sounds like you can make my life a living hell if I don't go along with this. So, oh my gosh, but it's such a short game. He's like, he's in a panic. He's not thinking about like, he's not know. like Nick is not thinking ahead at all. He's, he's definitely pulling the ripcord, especially since my thought was, if this is your behavior in the Academy, if you're going to cover up the truth, to save your neck in the academy. It is a slippery slope, my friend. What about oh, yeah. when you're in the dealings with, you know, the Cardassians or some some race you're at war with mm-hmm. or just when the stakes are higher? I mean, someone yeah. died, so this is a big deal, but someone died while they were doing a flying training maneuver for fun. The stakes yes. are not like they were in a battle, right? So like yeah. if I cannot trust you to be honest here in the academy, I don't want you in charge of a starship. I don't want you in charge of a star base. I don't want you in command of a whole bunch of other people that mm-hmm. you're going to be leading down the same road. So that's what I kept thinking is I was just like, this kind of behavior right now in the short term, you're like, whoo, I can get, I can graduate and have no, no marks on my record. But in the long term, it's turning you into the type of person that I don't think you're going to respect. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Like it's, it becomes a very easy thing if you're like well i lied once before like i can just lie one and more i got time. away with one. it mm-hmm. yeah so it's like i could just keep doing it. yeah it's a slippery slope admiral brand concludes the investigation and is saying like i'm suspicious of your testimony but without further proof i have no choice but to like close this investigation up and she rings her little bell which by the way i love a lot more than that gavel like how gavel is like a bang bang this was like yeah. bing, bing. Yes. even when she was angry she's like court is adjourned like it's just the sweetest little it's sound. a very it's like, calm oh. lovely sound yeah i was like can i get that bell for like a yoga session that sounds lovely <laughs> although i would feel the heat of her judgment behind it though too but <laughs> wesley is like i can't take it and he stands up and finally does the right thing he spills all of the beans his whole team is like damn like yeah and he apologizes to josh's dad which i really appreciate he turns to him and says it wasn't josh's fault like we pushed him. Here's what happened. They tried to do the Culvert Starburst. He had said repeatedly he wasn't ready. He was freaking out about it. So he did panic during the Culvert Starburst attempt. And like that's what started the domino effect of collisions. And that was what set off this whole like the death spiral for him. Right. So Picard is like, 
thank God. You know, I, there's a palpable sense of relief on Picard's face where it's like, thank God I don't have to do this very ugly thing I didn't want to do, but was fully prepared to do. But I'm glad I don't have to, you know. And the whole team is like, oh, especially Nick, right? Nick is just like putting his head in his hands. And then Admiral Brand is like, Mr. Locarno, you were the squadron leader. Do you have something to say about this? And he's just like, no, sir, nothing to add. You're like, this is your time. Again, this is your time to be like, all right, like to come clean in front of everybody. This is it's too late. Like the cat's out of the bag. This is the time to be like, all right. Yes. Everything Wesley said was true. It was all my fault. You know, I pushed them into it. Like, this was your time to fall on your sword. This moment right here publicly in front of everyone, like you said you would. So that's yeah. what I was waiting for. But he just goes, I have nothing to add and sits back down. And I was like, oh, Dang, what, what's going to happen after this? Like, yeah. what's going to happen to these people? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, we find out what happens because, mm-hmm. you know, later we find Wesley sitting outside completely like, oh, God, you know, and Picard comes up to him and says, Locarno made like a last second impassioned plea to save the rest of the team. He says that he, which is true, he used his influence to push them to do the covert maneuver and and then to like to push Josh, even though he wasn't ready, and to cover up like the whole thing. So he was expelled and everyone else on the squadron's reputation is in shambles. Wesley's academic credits for the past year have been erased. He won't get to advance with his class. But what's worse, everyone now knows what he did. Everyone knows what he did. And he's going to have some very difficult times ahead of him and i was like oh you know and wesley took it like a man and i hate that phrase because yeah that in, that means like you can't take it as well i don't know what that means but okay let me say that again <laughs> and wesley like, took it in a very mature way yeah and wesley took it like a champ yeah like wesley really took it like a champ he was like i understand and thank you captain and then here's this beautiful full circle boothby moment where Picard says, you knew what you had to do. I just made sure that you listened to yourself. And I loved that. He repeated Boothby's words to him. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, that must have been so fulfilling for Captain Picard as well. Because he looked up to Boothby mm-hmm. so much. I love yeah. it. I love it. And, and they this both is such a more... And that's it. Yeah. And, and that saying that same phrase to Wesley that his mentor said to him was such a more elegant way to close the story loop than doing mm-hmm. a moral of the story. Which yes, TNG was like infamous for in seasons one and two, which drove mm-hmm. me bananas. Yeah, was like why are they giving us the moral of the story? We can figure it out on our own. Um, yeah, but this is a really <laughs> elegant way to do it without being like. So therefore, telling the truth is always the best policy. It was like no, and yeah. said he just repeated what was said to him. And there's so many things I love about this episode, aside from that fact. One of the things being, this is the first time we've seen Wesley not be the golden child. Not be perfect yeah. in everything. Yep. Not be the hero who saves the day. Not be the wonderkins, the genius who pulls something out of left field at the very totally. last second. He is just a totally normal human who had who got in a bad situation and made a really big mistake. And it's like this story, I think, told of anybody else would not be as impactful as with Wesley because we're so used to him being perfect. Mm-hmm. So I really appreciate that they told this story that I feel like is extremely relatable to everyone. For sure, it's relatable to me. Oh, and yeah. they chose this character to do this story with. I thought that was a perfect choice. The setting was a great choice to not have some virus that's raging through some planet and we have to get there within 16 hours or electricity So we have monster. to like rush to figure out like the whole yeah. thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Something that's about to shut down the ship or whatever, like to ha- to not have that drama. So that we can focus on just kind of the human interactions, I thought was mm-hmm. a really good choice. Oh, yeah, totally. I, I love that. It was you're right. It was a very elegant way of wrapping up the story. And Picard got sort of the fulfillment of repeating his this person who he's looked up to, his words to the person that looks up to him. Um, I think this episode was so lovely. It was heavy, it was suspenseful. It was sad and it was a beautifully done story. What do you think? What are your final thoughts on this? Yeah, same thing. This was heavier than we usually get in TNG episodes. Mm-hmm. Usually they're a little popcorny. Sometimes they're really fun. Sometimes, you know, there's sometimes there's lots of action, like last week where we're like, there's mystery or whatever. This one is is heavy, but I completely and I completely agree with you. It was beautifully done, beautifully written, beautifully executed. I didn't feel cheated. 
like I usually do when I'm watching a sci-fi show and it's not very sci-fi-y. Yeah. I'm usually like, where's my sci-fi? That's why I watch this show. Um, mm-hmm. But I didn't feel cheated at all with this episode. I think because I related to it so much and I could just feel the angst and I could just remember times when I've been put in a weird position. And I kept thinking, what would I do in this situation? I mean, it was super engaging. Just well done. A plus on this episode. It really was. This is a fabulous, fabulous episode. I really enjoyed it a lot. Um, Guys, thank you so much for listening. Next week, we're talking season five, episode 20, Cost of Living. Can't wait to break it down. We'll see you guys next week. (laughs) By that, she means we we really don't want to watch the episode. It's the worst. (laughs) But we will, and we'll see you next week. Bye, Bye, guys. Thanks for geeking out with us. Be sure to join the crew at thetngpodcast.com to be the first to know when we do our live shows or host events exclusively for our members. We'll see you next time.